Hello, everyone. It's Eves checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode, one from me and one from Tracy V. Wilson. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 1st. On this day in 1949, Mao Zedong established the People's Republic of China. Mao Zedong was born in Hunan province on December 26th of 1893, and at that point, China was still under imperial rule. The emperor abdicated in 1912 following a revolution when Mao was 18. He trained as a teacher for a time before working at a university library in Beijing, and he became interested in Marxism. And then in 1921, he became a founder member of the Chinese Communist Party, or the CCP. Between 1923 and 1949, the CCP was sometimes allied with, but sometimes at war with, another party, the Kuomintang Nationalist Party, or KMT. The CCP and the KMT united to drive warlords out from northern China and to fight Japan during the Second Sino-Japanese War, and that ran from 1937 to 1945. But between those two events and before and after, they were not united, they were adversaries. After the Sino-Japanese War ended, the CCP and the KMT went to war against each other, and the CCP won. That is when, on October 1st of 1949, Mao founded the People's Republic of China. At this point, China was very poor. It was a mostly agrarian nation that was covering from years and years of warfare. At first, the government's primary goal of this newly established People's Republic of China was just to recover from the war. There was widespread damage to both the nation's agricultural and industrial systems. They got support in this from the Soviet Union, and they followed the Soviet Union's model on how to modernize both industry and the economy. In the process of all this modernization and all this recovery, China moved from a capitalist supply and demand model to a socialist model. And China nationalized a lot of its industries. By 1956, virtually all of the major industries in China were either state-owned or joint public-private enterprises. And then by 1957, almost all of China's farms were part of a collective. In a lot of ways, these first five years were a success. There were good harvests, there were a lot of modernizations, people got better farm equipment, that sort of thing. But at the same time, all of these modernizations really strained the Chinese economy. Those good harvests were paired with a population boom. So while the harvests were bigger, there were also more people to feed. All the improvements propelled the nation forward faster than the agriculture and the infrastructure could keep up. The government had achieved its goals, but the people of China a lot of times felt like they were not better off than before. And this led to the first of many attempts at wide-scale reforms that Chairman Mao implemented while he was ruling China. These were often efforts to completely change the People's Republic of China and the way its government worked. The Chinese government under Mao Zedong built new hospitals and schools and funded new scientific and medical research, and the life expectancy in China increased from 35 years in 1949 to 65 years in 1980. But so, so many of the attempted reforms did a lot more harm than good. 
Chairman Mao's rule over the People's Republic of China was marked by extensive campaigns for modernization and improvement, but also with massacres and famines and purges and huge social unrest and the widespread destruction of Chinese works of art, architecture, and culture. In 1971, there was an attempted coup and an attempt on Mao Zedong's life. He died on September 9th of 1976. You can learn more about China under Chairman Mao in the 2014 four-part series from Stuff You Missed in History class, including The Great Leap Forward on September 1st, The Great Famine on September 8th, and the two parts on the Cultural Revolution on September 15th and 17th. All of that, again, is in 2014. Thanks to Tari Harrison for her audio work on this podcast, and you can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can tune in tomorrow for a massacre. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was October 1st, 1965. A group of Indonesian National Armed Forces members killed six high-ranking Indonesian Army generals in a failed coup in Jakarta. The Army linked the assassinations to the Indonesian Communist Party, and for the next several weeks, the military detained and killed hundreds of thousands of communists, alleged communists, and their sympathizers. The coup led to Indonesia's first president, Soekarno, being put on house arrest and General Suharto being appointed to the presidency. President Sukarno had begun promoting the system of guided democracy, since he believed parliamentary democracy was ineffective in Indonesia. As he began implementing a form of socialist populism, he attempted to balance relations with the military, communist, and religious groups. He supported the Indonesian Communist Party and the army, which was largely anti-communist, though many in the military did support communism. Land reforms, which the Communist Party pressured Sukarno to implement, were a major source of tension between the party, Muslim religious leaders, and the people who controlled the land. As the Indonesian Communist Party gained more influence, seeds of doubt grew among army members who were suspicious of the party's intentions and religious groups who were unsure of the party's views. Sukarno became more anti-imperialist and championed economic independence for Indonesia, but the economy declined due to a lack of effective policy. Western nations encouraged anti-communist efforts against the Indonesian Communist Party, Sukarno, and the left. In 1965, the Indonesian Communist Party had three million members and was the third largest communist party in the world. But by this time, there were rumors that senior army generals were planning a coup against Sukarno. In the early morning hours of October 1st, the 30th September movement kidnapped and murdered six of Indonesia's top military generals. The movement members announced over the radio that they had seized power to protect the president and prevent a military coup. The leader of the movement, Lieutenant Colonel Untun, told listeners that the president was safe that generals had been arrested, and that there was about to be a new revolutionary government. But the coup was crushed quickly. The army claimed that the Communist Party was responsible for the coup attempt. 
At the time, there was not much evidence that the party had any involvement in the action against the military. But General Suharto, commander of the Army's Strategic Reserve, capitalized on anti-communist sentiment and quickly launched propagandistic attacks against communists. He shut down communist and leftist publications while pro-army publications flourished. The pro-army press circulated stories that the murdered generals had been tortured and mutilated. Through this campaign, the army inflamed anti-communist feelings and convinced people that the party was complicit in a huge conspiracy. The military took the opportunity to eliminate the political power of communism in Indonesia, which it perceived as a threat. The army, police, and civilian militias imprisoned and killed communists and their supporters in Jakarta, Central and East Java, and Bali, as well as parts of other islands. The death toll has been estimated at at least half a million people. It was later discovered that some leaders in the Indonesian Communist Party did play a role in planning the coup, but most people in the party did not know about it. There are many conspiracy theories around exactly who planned the 30th September movement and what its goal was. The Communist Party was banned in Indonesia in 1965 and has been ever since, along with any public discussion of the massacre. The military dictatorship that soon took over, led by Suharto, ruled Indonesia until 1998, with Western support. Indonesia became pro-Western, and the downfall of communism in Indonesia benefited capitalist countries. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If there are any upcoming days in history that you'd really like me to cover on the show, give us a shout on social media, at T-D-I-H-C podcast. We'll see you here in the same place tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.